0: I keep having to say back in studio, which means I've been away, and it's <laughs> as, as always another event, and we've got lots of events still coming up. We'll let you know about those today. But uh, those of you with me live, the twenty third of October, twenty twenty three. The website's up and down. We're we're in the process of getting it away from GoDaddy and into another area. Uh, but anyway, y'all should be able to check it out that way. But if not, a uh, Rumble, of course, is a, a great way to watch the Robert Scat Bell Show live and later. Uh this uh this first hour, we've got Bruce Brill, who's the author of a book called Deceit of an Ally, a memoir of military antisemitism, NSA Secret Jew Room and Yom Kippur War Treachery. Uh so someone who's been uh in America for many of his years of his life, and for 40 plus years, he's been now in Israel. That's that'll be an interesting. We'll have a discussion what's going on there. Uh also Holly Swenson is going to be joining us for the first time. Her book, Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow. <laughs> I got a question about how to raise uh happy and successful kids little insight into that and first up 65 million people are suffering from long covid what does that even mean and what are they going to promote to address it and if they're part of the same cabal that fomented the lies surrounding covid i know what they're going to promote and it's dead wrong or it's deadly wrong so we got that and a whole lot more coming up including a homeopathic hit the key word that i'm going to give you to know about this remedy it's seasonal it's festive it's nutmeg i'm not going to give you the latin name yet you'll have to figure it out come on over to robertscottbell.com let's get this healing party started right about now
1: the robert Scott Robert scott bell show the voice of health, freedom, and liberty,
0: the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, just a quick thank you and shout out to my new friends at Patriots United Washington WA. We had a great Northwest Awakening event on Saturday, even though the power went out for about an hour. Uh, as apparently either a cat or a toy hit a telephone pole and knocked the power out. No, I think it was a car. Uh, It was funny. We were in a a building there in Vancouver, Washington area, and uh, there was a cat event and a toy event and our event. And I wondered who who didn't want people to be able to see the cats or see the toys. And I think maybe it was because Dr. Brian Artis was speaking. They didn't want anybody to hear about what we talk about with Dr. Brian Artis. And by the way, Dr. Artis was an excellent uh, guest. We've done this now two times our Sunday conversation with Brian Artis. And we got a little bit of his backstory on what makes him tick, what, you know, his his belief system is, etc. In addition to other things we got to discuss, it was really great. Had a great time hanging out with Brian and ate at a place called the Urban Farmer. i had eaten there before in Portland and it's, you know, all organic farm to table. And, dude, I ate well. Thank you, Dr. Artis your wife, Jane. You guys are awesome. Uh, we had a great time there. Uh, We got a lot to do this week in in town, thankfully, for a little bit before the next journey out into Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, to be specific, uh, to see uh, Terry and Stu Warner and the wellness parenting revolution and all that is coming up. And uh, Dr. Artis will be there as well as many of our friends, Kimberly Overton and all and more. And by the way, there are three more days, including today, the 23rd, 24th and 25th to get your discounted hotel rates in Scottsdale to join us there. So please do that. If you go to the upcoming events tab at robertscatbell.com, you can see it there and to get a discounted attendance rate as well. There may be another event at the giving tree that we're orchestrating. Thanks to, uh, uh, let's see who's putting together, uh, Brian Jones, our farmer friend and Doug, you know, Doug, and uh, he's terrific in in all that he's doing, Doug Fletcher. So we've got that coming up. Stay tuned for that. Stay plugged into the Robert Scott Bell show. Uh, Let's see, what else do I want to share with you uh, today? We got Bruce Brill coming up in a little bit, and he's, uh, I guess you can call him an American expat. He used to be with NSA, of all things, a long time ago, many decades ago, moved to Israel. He's been there over four decades, and we're going to talk about his book, uh, Deceit of of an Ally, a memoir of military anti-Semitism, NSA's secret Jew room, and Yom Kippur treachery. Uh, this came out last year about this time, uh, so we'll get a little insight there as well. And for those of you who want to raise healthy and happy and productive and, and uh, successful kids, we'll reveal at least one secret in doing that. Uh, but first up here on the Robert Scabell Show, once again, uh, thank you for supporting us. If you haven't already, you can become a patron supporter. We have our homeopathic hits each day. We're live with with some exceptions to that when we run out of time, but we do have a new one today as well. And Superdon has put them up in a special area of the Robert Scott Bell Show website, robertscottbell.com. But we are migrating the site. We are migrating the site off of, uh, a, I think it's called GoDaddy, right? And that's the big one to another site that's more friendly to what we do. And I want to thank, uh, uh, well, gosh, y'all are amazing just to help us to be able to do all of these things. And please be patient if there are any web outages today as we're working hard behind the scenes to get that done as well. Now, here's the headline of our first article, 65 million people. 65 million people suffer from long COVID. And this article is in Forbes and it says our experts, our experts say new vaccines are the best defense, which tells you everything you need to know about who's funding this article and Forbes magazine for this case in this case. Because it goes right into the very thing that caused what you call long COVID as the solution. What they call long COVID. Now, this is you know the good news on this is they deceive you with this means it's more important than ever to do what we're planning to do, and that is a long COVID summit webinar. I don't know what we're calling it, Super Don, but I'm going to be interviewing beyond this live show each day, interviewing a lot of special focused uh, subject matter experts on what this is and what to do about it, because it certainly isn't what Forbes is promoting. It's a summit. You know, uh,
2: we 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 uh, we promote and and uh, talk about other people's events and and you know online webinars and stuff like that all the time. But it's like, when when was the last time we did one?
0: It's been a long time. Yeah.
2: So So yeah, this this is going to be a summit. It's going to have like thirty some odd uh, experts uh, Mm -hmm. coming on to to do different. I guess what would you say? Just you know, uh, talks sections on, on all these different, different topics. And stuff. Aspects yeah. of it. It's, it's going to be huge.
0: And super D, what do you think of this article, which goes right into the very cause of uh, long COVID <laughs> and says it's the solution? mRNA. Well,
2: yes, because what they're going to what they, what they say is that your best defense is to never get COVID. <laughs> so, if the vaccines are the answer to long COVID.
0: Yeah. How many people do you know, are? The picture of health because they got the COVID MRNA shots versus those who had COVID and overcame it. And you are one that did have it, got through it. No shots, of course. Right. And do you have any lingering long COVID symptoms? I'm not saying there are none in anybody that hasn't I did for shot. a little
2: while. I did yeah. for a little while.
0: It took the, you a while to recover. Yeah, today, the not. uh the,
2: the the brain fog thing was real, dude. Mm-hmm. It was it was real. I couldn't like you know, uh, walk and chew gum at the same time there for a little while, but yeah, uh, you know,
0: it went away. Interestingly enough that the homeopathic hit of the day will address a little bit of brain fog too. Hey, yeah. So that's cool. But I don't have a lot more to say about it, except it's the stunning realization that legacy media, if you consider Forbes to be legacy or mainstream media, which I think it is, it's astoundingly wrong in its take. But then again, who are the primary advertisers in support of Forbes magazine? They're actually promoting MRNA messenger, MRNA technology. And they say that they have now, uh, they're better at it somehow. That we're going to have more COVID-19 shots uh, released as long as, You guys keep getting them, despite the fact that a lot of you are not getting them. If you're in this audience, you're probably not. And they just continue on with the lies about evolution of so-called viral uh, 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 proteins with new, I don't know, what did we go? Greek alphabet letters? Is it Omicron now? Variations of Omicron? It's just ironic or weird that all they can do is reference these uh, ancient languages to deceive you as to what's really going on here. And there's another article that just, well, a lot of Substack articles are 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 covering this, but the controversy over plasmids, plasmids and DNA, and they're calling it contamination. This is coming out, and in Canada, I think they revealed and released this, that they have identified plasmid DNA. Now, this is what Dr. Brian Artis and others uh, of the four amigos, I'll call them, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Janice Schmidt, and Dr. Ed Group, and others have been pointing out. Those who make these COVID injections claim that there's no way you could get COVID from it because we don't actually put viral uh, uh, proteins in it or the virus in it. Now, step aside from the virus, no virus argument for a moment, whatever you believe it to be. They let's say the mainstream view, viruses cause disease, cause infection. This is a virus, whether it's upregulated, engineered, et cetera. Again, I've got dispute on that too, but the reality of the, the shots, the controversy is the way they're portraying this plasmid DNA is that it's a contaminant. And the argument from people like Dr. Brian Artis is that it's not a contaminant. It's the design. It's the whole point of how they're triggering these immune reactions or responses, or even the MRNA combinations over the first shot through the boosters to combine and create foreign aberrant toxic proteins that mimic or are derived from snake venoms synthesized via big pharma into what snake venom peptides that are synthetic, not the actual thing. And if if it's controversial still to anybody, that statement, I'll have to bring Super Don in here real quick, because I don't know if you've heard this or if it's if it's grounded into your consciousness or not. But I remember one of the the, the controversies over the snake venom discussion. Yes, uh, was. And this was for me, too, because I knew that if you ingest snake venom, per se. Right. You, you suck out the venom, spit, whatever. It, it doesn't enter you unless there's a, a way to bypass the mucosal memories. That's why it's a fang. It's an injection. Right. But then Dr. Artis points out very inconveniently for medical doctors that they have been prescribing blood pressure medicines like lisinopril for decades. You've heard of lisinopril. Mm-hmm. Lisinopril is derived from snake venom. No, It's a snake venom peptide. It's a drug based on uh, snake venoms. And yes, that does taken in a pill form, get past the stomach, and it's absorbed. So, uh, you know, as we... Uh, let's say, tender these conversations, enter these conversations, and some would want to dismiss and not discuss, including, you know, what's going on in Israel and Gaza and all of that, which we'll do today. The snake venom controversy, which seemed far out initially, is seeming less far out by the day, is my point, Super D. And, and I'm not asking you to buy in on all of it. That's not my point bringing you in. Just the lisinopril alone, when you talk about- But
2: see, and, and we've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. The use of snake venoms or synthetic snake venom peptides in in medicine yes. has been going on for decades, a long
0: time. But, so, but, but yeah, there, you know, there's
2: you. These, okay, go ahead.
0: These doctors, when asked about, hey, how many of you knew that lisinopril was derived from snake venoms? Like zero percent of them know but,
2: Robert, if you went and asked ninety nine percent of people that take any type of pharmaceutical drug if they know what that drug is derived from, they wouldn't be able to tell you they don't care yeah, so I wouldn't you know?
0: I wouldn't discount that nor criticize no. anybody taking the drug because people aren't necessarily thinking, I need to know because i'm I'm not the doctor but right. the doctors themselves should oh. they not know is my point.
2: I suppose they should, but they should also they also know that the food that you eat might be causing the condition that you're in. There to talk to <laughs> yes, them about too. Yeah. Right. So okay. you just know. lower
0: the bar. Lower the bar. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so I guess I'm only bringing this up. Just the a lot of people, and no pun intended, recoiled ah. at the discussion of snake venom. Yes. Yet it's very much part of the pharmaceutical industrial complex and has been for decades, somewhat, arguably centuries. In fact, I got information over the weekend from Brian, you know, as he's talking about the Flexner Brothers, Flexner Report, 1910, Abraham and Simon Flexner. I saw a peer-reviewed article of Simon Flexner in 1902 working on snake venoms as medicine. And, and, and so, as I said, I'm not here to solve the, the the dilemma except to acknowledge that we need to talk more about these specific categories of medicines and drugs and how they're derived and. Yes, you could go biblical and talk Garden of Eden and the snake in, in in the garden, et cetera, and say there's weird symbology as well. But the reality is, if anybody recoils against talking about snake venom peptides, uh, you're ignorant of the fact that big pharma has been working with these things for now, if not decades, and well over a century or more. And in homeopathy, we have worked with snake venoms as medicine, as remedies to counter snake venoms and the the uh, symptoms that they uh, bring up bring about. So I I just sense that. It, at least for me, the more I have investigated this, the more I'm going, Oh my gosh, they really are utilizing this as a vector of diminishing our immune system and other functions, metabolic functions of the body. Cause the snake venoms and other venoms in nature are very profound and powerful in doing this task or deed. Yet I will have to, you know, revisit revisit this again but the mrna as well the de- the plasmid is, is again why i'm trying to tie this together and not well today I, I think i'm a little tired from the trip i'm going to give myself a little bit of leeway here
2: a little recuperation still need
0: mental there. recuperation as well yeah. but i just wanted to bring up the fact that these plasmids that they say are contaminating dna plasmids these are things that i believe are put in intentionally that's part of the design for the effect that they're looking for that's yep. that's where we're going to go with this more or less all right uh, on a on a Good note, a fitness note, super done. Mm. I got back and I went to the gym this morning and my trainer, Rachel, who owns the gym, she was back kicking my butt big time. I got to 60 pulse points in eight rounds. That never happened. She was like all over. He's like, you ain't getting out of this, right? So, But it turned out I won the challenge of the week two weeks in a row. Uh, So I'm back. (laughs) Either that or Kiki is not showing up the last two weeks because Kiki always kicks my butt. She's an amazing Uh. athlete. But anyway, for, for whatever it's worth, it's fun to to get those fitness levels and, and crank them up all the way. Put it to 11. Dial it to 11 if you're ready, or just work up to it over time. That's right. Okay, so now we're going to transition. Now, are there any other announcements, anything you want to say? I know the website migration is happening. It should be up. The website might be down, but that's why.
2: Yeah, we got some other stuff we can talk about. We'll do that at the, at the top of the hour.
0: Okay, and we'll be joined on our uh, brideyon.tv Simulcast. Correct. Okay. So before I bring in Bruce Brill, I just want to acknowledge the subject matter of Israel, Palestine, Gaza, Jews, Muslims, Christians, Zoroastrians, uh, Baha'i, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I asked the question of Super Don and many others about after COVID, what happened? What would be the next thing? that they could do to frighten us into whatever, compliance. Let's just say that, compliance. And I said, you know, unless you're going to be bleeding out of your eyes, they're not. people are not going to even believe the Marburg or Ebola thing, even though some are going to be scared by it. But unless you actually visually see people bleeding out of their eyes, you're probably going to go, um, no, I'm not locking down. I'm not shutting down. I'm not wearing a mask because we've been through it, and you, and you know how deceived we were. I'm not here on this show. We pretty much were on top of it as soon as possible to talk about these things. That's why we got banned on so many platforms and censored. So what happened as even Democrats in Congress were having a hard time unlimited funding for Ukraine, the war in Ukraine? How long was it? An hour, a day, a week or less, where suddenly... An invasion of Israel by folks from Hamas passing through probably the greatest, most secure border on planet Earth, whether it be physical border, electronic border, monitoring by drone, satellite, etc. Iron Dome inclusive, that Israel was suddenly unaware. Where was the intelligence? One of the greatest intelligence groups on the planet. Some of the most tested Military, uh, uh, not to say veterans too, but you talk about Green Berets in America or other things. I mean, you're talking about an army that's been engaged in war its entire life. And yes, various times where it's been a little bit less war-like. Peace has broken out occasionally over years. And if I go back to the dawn of Israel, and I realize we can get into the controversies of the Balfour Declaration, uh, Great Britain, as it's, it was an empire in the early 20th century and what was happening in transitioning from World War I to post-World War II, the attempted extermination of Jews in Nazi Germany, so much, so much death, destruction, mayhem, hatred, disgust, etc. You know, the Jews have been targeted for thousands of years by others. And then this occurs. Now, I've got questions about the Israeli Defense Forces, Netanyahu, who sold the Jewish people, the Israeli people, all of Israel, out to Pfizer. Not a big fan of Netanyahu. Netanyahu was in trouble in Israel. And then this happened. And then what are you going to do as an Israeli citizen? The attack, the people who are killed? Will you rally around the flag? Will you rally around even the guy you don't like as as prime minister, for instance? For me, talking about these things, even though I am of Jewish descent and heritage, you might know, I say, well, you, you hate the Jews, you hate Israel, you love terrorists. And anybody that questions it is accused of that. And vice versa, if you question, let's say any of Hamas and the Palestinian people, like all they are are peace-loving people and they would never kill a Jew or, you know, there's just very little room for rational discussion, discourse, debate, argument even over this issue. So it's as difficult as something whatever ever be right now, the moment you ask a question, you're called names. Now, how many of us went through that with COVID? The moment you questioned the COVID vaccine narrative, the moment you questioned the COVID narrative at all, wearing masks, distancing, shutting down, you were accused of heinous acts or crimes, including killing grandma. So So this is where I see it went to. What are the vulnerabilities we have of, as human beings? Do we have in, in, inherent biases for or against Israel, for or against Palestinians, for or against Hamas, for against Iran, all of these things? And how are it, how is it that the globalists continue to succeed in dividing us along various racial, ethnic, religious lines, and we play along when we are what? put in a glass, red and and black ants, and shaken up violently, and then they sit back and watch the inevitable as we tear each other apart rather than saying, you know what? It's so much better to get along with one another. And I will bring up one more time my mother as a child and then Palestine, what became Israel, surviving the wars and all of that, that she she witnessed how even prior to the, uh, well, prior to Israel becoming a state at the markets, at the shook, at the coffee shops, Jews, Palestinians, Israel, Arabs, Christians, Muslims, kind of just kind of hung out together, inter- interacted economically, hung out at coffee shops, went to the market, all of that until the globalists shake it up and create this hatred, set the stage for these things. Now, anything I say in setting this up is not to excuse the behavior of wanton killing, mayhem, death, destruction, terrorism done by anybody. I'm not happy that there's war and, and bombing and, and all of these you know, collateral damage. Never, never a fan of that, realizing that in war that is inevitable. But now as Israel decides, what do we do? And I think there's dissent even within Israel to say, do you carpet bomb Hamas or all of Gaza, wipe it out? Or do you go in and send your troops and put them at risk street by street, house by house, you know, apartment by apartment to take out those that are willing to kill innocents? And of course, the Israeli army can't be without critique. Any army cannot be without critique. I mean, you look at what happened in Vietnam, even though it wasn't an official declared war by an act of Congress. Remember, in the United States, a declaration of war is required by the Constitution in the House of Representatives. In other words, the president can't just take us to war, although we've seen authorization to use force ever since 9-11 and even before that, because Uh, Vietnam was the United Nations police action, not uh, not a declared war. No war has been declared by America since World War II. And even then, the controversy of entering World War II was that they knew, FDR apparently knew, that Pearl Harbor was going to happen. Let it happen because he knew that would rally the American people from their isolationist foreign policies post-World War I to finally engage in World War II. And that doesn't mean... That the things that happened in World War II were all bad either, because there were some things that were beaten back that needed to be beaten back. So there's always layers of deception, deceit, and it's not so easy as Israel good, Hamas uh, or Palestinians bad, or vice versa. There's real hu- there are real humans caught in the crossfire of the globalists and their attempt to dissent, to, to foment dissent permanently. To keep some of us on edge enough that we would be willing to go to war, kill, and each other, and ignore the fact that we are being played and manipulated for a globalist agenda on this planet. Now we have a guest here who's written a book, and we're going to get and and we talked briefly before the show. He's not a subject matter expert on the strategy of what what's going on in Israel and what they respond to, but we'll talk human to human here. He's from America, went to Israel over four decades ago. He's written a book. His name is Bruce Brill. Deceit of an Ally, a Memoir of Military Anti-Semitism, NSA's Secret Jew Room, and Yom Kippur War Treachery. And it's available now in paperback, and we have it linked up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. I want to welcome to the Robert Scatbell Show for the first time ever, Bruce Brill. And he's live, coming from Israel right now. Bruce, welcome. Hi. Good to see you. Good to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, someone who's been in Israel for over 40 years, and you don't have an Israeli accent.
1: (laughs) Well, I do have an accent, but to an Israeli,
0: it's an American accent. That's right. And that's what you you haven't lost it over four plus decades over there. So you've heard what I said in the opening. If you have comments on that, that's fine, too. But also obviously want to get into the the basis of your book and what you're writing about. And you actually were with the NSA back in, what, 1973? Uh, Even before that. Into 1974,
1: I, w- I was there for uh, the better part of my three years of my enlistment. Actually, I enlisted for four years, but they gave us a year early out option mm-hmm. because there were uh, budget uh, problems during the Nixon administration. And so we got a year early out.
0: But what did you learn in the time you were in the nsa of course there's a lot of controversy of both cia and nsa uh you know if we talk about cia involvement in killing kennedy for instance uh, robert fk well robert f Kennedy jr has talked about it as well his his nephew but jfk's murder assassination but the nsa was different and distinct from the cia back then now i don't know the difference anymore
1: okay well I'll, i'll tell you the main difference was that nsa was many times bigger than the cia I believe it is today as well. Uh, However, almost nobody heard of NSA back in the early 1970s. In fact, we had a joke that NSA stood for no such agency. Yet everyone heard of the CIA. We were
0: much more powerful and much bigger. And then the question is, what was your primary Uh, let's say, task when you were with NSA? What were you focused on in the world? Or do you have a specific job that you had at NSA in those years? It's long enough, I think you can talk about it, yes?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a very specific job, extremely specific. In fact, so, so does most everyone who works at NSA. It's a huge complex. And there are so many jobs to do And each job is a tiny little part of the overall intelligence gathering uh, effort. And my job, uh, actually I had several jobs. My initial job was to simply map out um, Israeli overflights of uh, their air force planes over Southern Lebanon, Syria, and Northern Jordan. That that was my job. It was a very, very small um, part of the overall uh, effort. And there's a, a very strong principle working in intelligence, and it's called the need to know. So you're working your tiny little narrow job and you have no need to know what the guy sitting next to you is working on and you have no right to inquire what he's doing or she's doing unless you have a need to know so that was my first job there and it was a job that maybe took maximum a half hour a day and so my basic job when i had that task was to look busy for the rest of my uh, nine hours. That's a uh, classic
0: for government government work. So there was a clearly defined and mandated compartmentalization, extreme compartmentalization. Extreme. Yeah, like this part of the finger didn't know what this part of the finger was doing. That's how extreme I'm I'm hearing here. Exactly. when, When people say, Well, if that were true, everybody would know. It's like, no, they had an ability to compartmentalize what was going on at NSA, for instance. Okay, but but having said that, we
1: all of us in my uh, department, we all of us knew that Syria and Egypt weren't planning to attack on the 6th of October, which was a Saturday Yom Kippur. We knew it. This was um, what was called AVAL. It it meant it was for a certainty. We all knew it. So that that was something that we all needed to know because we needed to be
0: um, available for the upcoming war. There was inevitability about it. There wasn't a mystery. It was known. What about at, at the NSA? Were you guys informing Israel at the time? uh, Hey, this is coming. Or was Israel relying on its own intelligence agencies from within at that point? What, what do you know about that time at NSA? Okay. That, that
1: is the crux of my book because although we knew for certainty and I knew days in advance and others knew up to a week and a half in advance, I didn't know whose job it was to inform our allies or to not inform our allies. And I assumed on the first day of the war when I was monitoring live communication from the battlefront because I was given this new task because I could just Hebrew as well as Arabic at the time. And few of the linguists working in NSA could just both of the languages. So my job was to monitor live communication from the battlefront on the first day of the war. Hmm. And during that time, I picked up an Israeli soldier on the Bar Lev line. Maybe your listeners don't know what that means. It was a string of fortifications along the Suez Canal, on the east bank of the Suez Canal, which was under uh, Israeli um, control. And it was known as the Bar Lev line after General Chaim Bar Lev. I pick up a soldier who calls home and from listening to his conversation, I realize that he and his buddies were totally surprised. Totally surprised. At that moment, I was surprised that they were surprised. How could they not know? Didn't we tell them? And my assumption, giving the benefit of the doubt and being um, a patriotic American was that somehow the intelligence that we knew was delayed somehow but now, i didn't because, uh,
0: bruce in 1973 communication with israel was slow because it was 1973 or did you have instant communication right I it was, I just instant. That. It was like, instant i'm telling. i'm telling you i was i was listening live to a, a, to a telephone conversation back in 1973 where we didn't even have we heard well we still had rotary phones back then right so there was technology nsa and our government had that could instantly communicate and, and monitor communications around the certainly. world even at that time
1: certainly so at that moment at that moment robert something touched my heart because i knew that something smelled that the israeli on the front line that needed to know didn't know what i knew days in advance and robert at that moment I had like an epiphany I became an instant Zionist and I said oh my god I'm wearing the wrong uniform and I want to show you a picture of the on the Israeli book this is as if me and that's my army uniform from 52 years ago and that's that's a son of mine, my youngest son, who would have been closest to my age at the time, uh, wearing my uniform for the cover of the Hebrew version of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can distract myself for a moment,
0: yeah.
1: I'll show you that today he's wearing a different uniform.
0: So your son there is in Israel?
1: Yeah, that's that's the same boy that's on the cover of my book.
0: Okay, now, now I need you to define Bruce for our audience. It's wide and varied. It's all over the world. It's Jew, Christian, Muslim, non-affiliated. There might be an atheist or two in the audience. I don't know, but may not understand or know the terms as they're defined. Uh, Zionism, Semitism, anti-Semitism. You know, and as I talk about these various controversies of um, people shaking a jar of red ants and black ants, normally they get along because it's in their best interest to do so until they're shaken from above, right? There's a lot of, I believe, manipulation to make people hate one another. Now, there's been hatred of people between people for thousands of years on this planet. I don't dispute that. I'm not naive about that, but... You mentioned something that the, the Israelis in 1973, right before the Yom Kippur War, even though you at the NSA knew, which means our government knew, that there was an impending uh, invasion, you know, from all around, the, uh, and yet they didn't know on the front lines. So your question is, who held or who withheld that information and why? Do you speculate as to the reasons why that happened?
1: Just wait just wait a minute, Robert. Okay. It gets it, it gets worse than that because— at, at the time, back in the 1990s, uh, I, I had even written, um, I, I came across this letter, uh, it was lost for a while. Back in 1992, I wrote a letter to Yitzhak Rabin. And I said, I'm reading it now, Here, here's the letter. At the suggestion of Chaim Barlev, that's General Chaim Barlev, uh, I am writing to you directly. And then I write about Jonathan Pollard because I I say in the letter that he passed information that he felt was being withheld from the Israelis back when he was working for Naval Intelligence a dozen years after I worked at NSA. In 1993, I wrote a letter to Benjamin Netanyahu. And I said, may I bring to your attention the most closely guarded secret in the annals of US-Israel relations, how Israel was duped by US intelligence into allowing the 1973 Yom Kippur surprise to befall her. And then I go into details. So I suspected that there was some dirty play. And this suspicion of mine was confirmed five years ago when I met with General Elie Zeira, who was head of Israeli intelligence at that time, 50 years ago. He confided in me that he got an American intelligence assessment prior to the Yom Kippur War breaking out that the Arabs have no intention of attacking. Can you believe it? So I was shocked that this was confirmation of a suspicion that I had that something wasn't right, that we didn't get the information on time to our allies. But this was Worse than that, this is getting false intelligence assessment to the Israelis to have them caught with their pants down. And I wrote an article and I took it to Haaretz. It's one of the prestigious dailies in Israel. And I gave it to the editor. And he read it and said, this is explosive. Did you record him? And I said, no, he said, did you have a witness? I said, no, and he handed it back to me and he said, nobody will believe you. However, when I wrote my book, I wanted to get Pentagon approval to publish it. And I sent it to the Pentagon and they took a four month review of, my book and then they said that you can publish it under two conditions one that you redact what we require you to redact and here's an example the book is full of redactions this this is the biggest one that's the first requirement the second requirement is that you don't add one word of new content and of course i agreed but then in june of 2022 the idf archives released a protocol of moshe dayan for the first time in which he said that he got an American intelligence assessment. Are you sitting down? 12 hours before the attack began from his American
0: friends that the Arabs will not attack. So the message, rather than being what you knew it to be, that their attack was imminent, uh, the message came specifically to those in... Uh, in places like Moshe Dayan to defend Israel were told there was no attack forthcoming
1: exactly and and that's 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 the uh, the reason that I, I wrote this book because it it was deceit it was planned and I asked uh, Eliezer, era general Eliezer, era, did those American generals that were your friends from the intelligence services did they dupe you and he said no they were friends of israel and they were faithful friends of israel so then i said therefore they themselves were duped and he says apparently and i said i believe i know how this happened and that's why on the cover of my book It says, Jew Room Treachery, NSA's Jew Room. I discovered, even being a Jew while I worked there, that there were rooms in NSA that were off limits to me because I'm a Jew. And after reading John Loftus's The Secret War Against the Jews, in which he interviewed members of the Jew room. By the way, he said it's a total misnomer because Jews are not allowed entry into these rooms. And also, it's secret within the most secret agency in the world. These rooms are secret. And also, it's not one room. But that's what it was referred to as the Jew room. Well, And I didn't know it by it that. that
0: Uh, name more accurately it was the no Jews allowed room you're right Yeah, you're right So so you feel like the motivation within our own Pentagon at the time for those that had a hatred of Jews was to see Israel destroyed already in 1973
1: okay again it's not the Pentagon okay it's cells within the intelligence community okay and it's not the intelligence community either. Most of them were good guys. Most of them were very good guys, patriotic Americans that would never think of harming an American ally. Israel was a publicly declared American ally. Why would you screw a, an ally? It's cells within, un American cells that are in, deeply embedded or were deeply embedded within the agency.
0: Well, I believe here we are in 2023, what, 50 years later, and we have our intelligence agencies, the United States, actively engaged in undermining America, as there are people in, I believe, the current administration, <laughs> globalists among the Democrats and Republicans. So this is not a new story, but it's a it's a story unique to your personal experience that you're revealing now. To hopefully awaken people's, uh, let's say, uh, awareness is maybe an understatement in terms of what we've seen here. Because your perspective living in Israel, I find, I scratch my head and go, how did the entirety of the IDF and everything else set up not know what was about to happen? What happened to the intelligence agencies within Israel in a current recent state to say, we knew nothing of this and boom, there it happened and the response was so slow. There's a lot I have questions about. Well, most Israelis don't know, they still don't know to
1: this day, because they haven't read my book, how Israel fell prey to the deception back 50 years ago. And so they have no clue that perhaps the same thing happened on October 7th. And I don't know if it did or didn't. I I can only speak for what I do know. But if they knew what happened 50 years ago, it might raise some
0: suspicions that
1: maybe it happened again. Mm -hmm.
0: There's a lot of motivations. You know, one of them you bring up of people that might not like Jewish people at all, or want to see, um, you know, horrible things happen. You know, again, there's thousands of years of history there, but there are many layers and motivations in these things. One is, as uh, Eisenhower warned us all about the military industrial complex, how it only profits when there is war. And if there's too much peace breaking out, you know, those stocks go down. And it's not a cynical look. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's a realistic look at something that we would not like to look at because we want to think all of these wars are clean, good versus evil. I'm not saying there's no good or evil involved in these, uh, these conflagrations, etc. And I'm not saying that any you know, engagement of war doesn't come with atrocities as much as we would like to see them avoided. But right now, there seems to be an overt, you know, let's say a a pass, a free pass that people can hate uh, Jews or Israelis now because of what happened on October 7th and the response to it. And as far as I know today, as of today, there hasn't been a ground assault or uh, a full on ground assault of of, uh, the Gaza Strip. Again, I'm curious, and I know that you're not a subject matter expert on this because you've written a book specifically about something that happened 50 years ago. But I got to ask, as an American in Israel, you're a Jew. um, You know, what can you say is bubbling to the surface in Israel? Is it is everybody want to wipe Gaza off the face of the planet? Are there Israelis saying, hey, we need to take out the bad guys, but try and save people that are not involved in this? I mean, what is your sense of what's happening there?
1: Okay. Um, Yes. Most people do want to level Gaza completely. They they want and they and they've said it. Leaders have said it uh, publicly that they want to uh, turn Gaza into rubble. Uh, they they've said this and they've also said that they're going to eliminate Hamas by um, a, a an invasion of land, air, and sea and. What do you do with the people that are there? Okay, they told them to vacate Gaza City itself, which is in the north section of the Gaza Strip, so that they can level Gaza City. And what they're going to do afterwards is not clear to me, but I do have a
0: suggestion for them.
1: It was a suggestion that I wrote about 19 years ago.
0: The Great Humanitarian Solution. Wow. Okay. Great, Can you give us a perspective who, on what you shared? Who is the Great
1: Humanitarian? Nobody knows. Nobody knows who the Great Humanitarian is. But he saved millions of people from homelessness, starvation, and um, resettled them and fed them. Millions, tens of millions, but nobody knows who he is. Only even some historians don't know who he is. Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover. Why am I mentioning the great humanitarian? Did he have a solution to the Palestinian problem? Yes, he did. I don't know if you can see the
0: picture. Yeah, I see the picture. Let me go full screen for it. Hold it up there one moment. Here we go. You're full screen now. Words without actions are the assassins of idealism, Herbert Hoover. And uh, tell me what was going on back then. That's a history a lot of people don't know. Okay. Back in
1: four, <clears throat> he proposed a solution to the plight of the Palestinian Arabs to relocate them, resettle them in Iraq. And then in 1949, when there were a half a million refugees, Palestinian Arab refugees, he tried to promote this humanitarian solution to their plight. You know, he built the Hoover Dam. It was the first mega hydroelectric plant in the world. He was a real pioneer. That was part of his humanitarianism to not only create electricity but to also create tens of thousands of acres of arable land and that's what he proposed to do with the tigris and euphrates rivers to build hydroelectric dams that would create tens of thousands of dunam of arable land yes pun intended Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and to resettle Palestinian Arabs there. But nobody paid attention to his humanitarian plan for their well-being. And so 19 years ago, I wrote this. Nobody listened again. Because no. 19 years ago, the Americans were in full control of Iraq. Oh, Iraq. Yeah. And Iraq was decimated. It, mm-hmm. Its male population was decimated from a whole string of conflicts the Iran-Iraq war and the uh, internecine battles between different groups and, and so forth. And it would have been good for the Palestinian Arabs, and it would have been good for the Iraqis. And they share a common language, they share a common religion, they share a common culture. And then there wouldn't have been the situation that we mm-hmm. see today. With yes. hundreds of thousands of homeless, now now they've become homeless.
0: Right. Bruce, uh, I would have to conclude that there are unfortunately, just as you concluded, enemies within that want to see this occur, that want to see more suffering, want to see more homelessness and, and wanton destruction, and don't want to see peace. And uh, these people unfortunately have made inroads into things like NSA, CIA, our own government, and governments around the world, And I, for lack of a better term, call them globalists. They have no allegiance to any nation or state, uh, and they don't respect borders as well. Not that we have much of a border in our South anymore uh, as people are coming in. That could be of great harm to Americans as well and America. Uh, But your unique journey and what you've seen firsthand is something why I'm glad we brought you on. I know people are going to have reactions to, to what we've discussed, what you've shared, hate, love, and everything in between. But I hope and pray that you all would step back and just hear it for what it is, a perspective from one man on his journey through his life on planet Earth, now in Israel. And I'm fascinated to learn about what you've known and what you've written about in your book. And we have it linked up. It's called Deceit of an Ally, a memoir of military anti-Semitism, NSA secret Jew room and Yom Kippur war treachery out as of last year at this time. So it's been out just about a year and I hope people will read it and learn from it. We've got to learn about history in order not to repeat it.
1: And there's something else that we can learn from history. After World War II, when there was unconditional surrender of the uh, the Nazis in Germany, unconditional surrender, what then did the United States do? The United States was prime mover of an educational program. It was called the denazification program. It ran from 1946 to 1952. And that's what we need with these Arabs. There are different flavors of Islam. Not all um, Muslims are Islamicists, not all of them. And so there are many of them. In fact, I was the executive director of the Islam Israel fellowship for a couple of years around the turn of the century and we were in touch with imams and muslim scholars that said something like this if you're not a zionist you can't be a good muslim things like that and they are were willing and still are i assume to teach Muslims what true Islam preaches, that you have to be an advocate of Jewish resettlement in the land of Israel. I'll give you an example. We I have, have a 5, minute long, 000, Bruce. Go ahead, quickly. Okay, I have 5,000 pamphlets put out by the Council of Muslim Scholars of Rome in Italy, and I had one in my pocket on September 10th, 2001, when I boarded an airplane flying from New York to California. Sitting next to me was an Arab from Saudi Arabia. I take this out of my pocket, I give it to him to read, and he reads it and he says, this is true Islam.
0: And so true Islam for true peace. Well, I'd like to see peace break out. <laughs> and I know that it's uh, a dream of many of us here in this, on this show. At the same time, the discussion points that we have shouldn't be difficult to have a discussion on this subject matter. But, Bruce, I appreciate your willingness to come on the show and share your perspective as well as your, your book. That if you, if you want to read a little bit more about that history and learn from it and be better for it. Doesn't right, mean we're I'll all agree on anything. There it is. Deceit of an ally. Bruce, get get some sleep. It's late night in Israel there where you are. And and shalom, uh, God bless you. I appreciate you being on board today. Thank you for the opportunity to share truth. All right. Laila Tov, Lehitrot. Uh, this is the Robert Scabell Show. We're going to be joined uh, by our stream on brightion.tv, which we do every Monday at this time. So counting down, and here we go. All right, welcome one and all to the Brighteon edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We uh, do our simulcast our second hour on Mondays, and it is today, Monday, October the twenty third, twenty twenty three. And I hope you'll support Brighteon with everything you got because it's a it's a great opportunity to share perspectives, opinions, facts, disputes in a marketplace of freedom, freedom, free free expression, free ideas. We don't all have to agree in, on everything. That's not the nature of our existence either. But to uh, want to eliminate, ban, or even kill those with whom we disagree, uh, don't, I don't find that to be uh, an optimal way to go about what I wanna talk about in this hour in terms of raising healthy, successful children, next generation, how are we gonna do that? Well, we've got a special guest in this hour that's gonna share with that Uh, with us that and more boy it's a it's a it's a man I feel the emotions of what's going on right now on this planet all right the power to heal is still yours we'll be right back All right, this hour on the Robert yeah Bell Show. Hopefully we switch proverbial gears here, try to speak of uplifting topics. It's difficult, so difficult to talk about uh, war and the many reasons it occurs or the many things that are not reasonable about it. Uh, and I may have a few more things to say before I can let it go today. But uh, Holly Swenson's going to join us this hour uh, talking about stop, drop, grow, and glow. Um, also have a, a topic here about how to raise more successful and healthy children, happy children. Uh, that's going to be some of the commentary as we open up the show today on the Robert Scott Bell Show. A quick shout out to my friend Bob Bree Oren. Uh, Bob Bree, who uh, came from originally Georgia when it was occupied and under control of the Soviet Union, escaped to Israel way back when all, as well and came to America and brought us the Chernobyl level antioxidant known as Folium products, Folium PX, foliumpx.com. And this is the stuff that got my mom back on the dance floor at 89. And if you need to break through a ceiling and you're healing, if you've hit the wall and you're like, I don't seem to be able to get through it. I want you to consider reaching out to to Bobri foliumpx.com. Use the code RSB10, get the folium original the folium immuno and the folium relax and get on that protocol right away and break through like my mom did to get back on the dance floor at 89. And, uh, that's uh, what I want to remind folks about as well as you plug into all the wonderful things here. And, you know, as I mentioned last hour briefly, uh, I won the challenge of the week again at the gym. Uh, yes, at a 57 year old body that was chronically ill for the first 24 years of my life in this same body. And yet now running circles around some people that are a lot younger than me, certainly a lot uh, running circles around my younger self in terms of my fitness capacity and ability to withstand a lot of challenges, to be adaptable. And that's the key to survivability. It isn't the fittest; it's the most adaptable. Of course, fitness is good too. And uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Cardio Miracle, John Hewlett, for developing that formula for sustained nitric oxide production. It's been—it's just, I, I, you know, how do I didn't have a heart rate below fifty as far as a resting heart rate. Now I do. Now, it, it of course, exercise plays a role in it, but my gosh, to have nitric oxide produced at the endothelial layer of, of, the, of the vascular system facilitates a relaxation, lowering of blood pressure, and it's astonishing how when I'm relaxed or even if I get to work out hard, how fast my heart rate drops back down as the efficiency with which I can deliver oxygen and remove that which it needs to be removed is enhanced by the process. You know, so check out cardiomiracle.com. We have links and banners at robertscottbell.com. You can get 15% off with the code RSB, RSB. And for those of you who are wanting to build muscle like I've been building, thanks to Super Creatine for my friends at Nutritional Frontiers. You can also use the code RSB15 to get 15% off anything from nutritionalfrontiers.com, including these things that are on sale. So you get to double dip with the code RSB15. There's loads more that I want to talk about here. Um, one of the things is an acknowledged heaviness and just an emotionality about what's going on there in Israel, Gaza Strip, et cetera. And there have been a lot of people that are coming out, you know, what they call lock, stock and barrel against Israel. And, you know, it, it's it's difficult because if you were to ask or inquire those people, do you hate the Jewish people? Do you hate Israelis? Yeah. Probably most of them are going to say, no, no, it's not about that. It's about policies. It's about government. And some of what we discussed last hour with my guest, um, uh, Bill, you know, he was at the NSA in 1973. There are usurpers within government agencies, secret agencies, overt, covert agencies that work against the intent except well, the intent and overt attempt in uh, how will we say policy to support certain things or be against certain things, you find out it's all mucked up. And I'm saying it politely because our reliance on centralized bureaucracies to, to do what's right, to tell the truth. If you haven't figured it out through COVID, you may never figure it out. The first casualty in any war is the truth. And there are people that are very concerned, even within Israel of, hey, why do we, need to take everybody out just because these other Hamas people took everybody out. Is there another way to go? And I'm not here to strategize for the people of Israel. I'm not here to strategize for all of the people of America either, but we've got to make, I think, better decisions and choices, not based on raw emotion and fear, even in the midst of scary things that occur, whether it be a nine 11 event or Uh, Pearl Harbor event, which we could see evidence of, as we now we hear from 1973, right before the Yom Kippur War, our uh, intelligence agency, NSA, apparently knew what was about to come and purposely deceived those in Israel and said, nothing's going to happen. Let it happen. Why? What was their motivation? Again, I can layer it out and go, maybe I'm right here, right here, right here, but wrong here, here, and here. But the mere discussion of it, there are people in this audience will probably gonna you know, be angry with vitriol and others say you didn't go far enough and, you know, no, never going to satisfy everybody, nor can, can I, nor would I attempt to. But I wish we could get beyond these governments warring against governments or people who have usurped uh, the limited role of our government, for instance, to protect liberty instead would crush it both in a foreign and domestic way. And so these are you know difficult things if we discuss you know something controversial about it now you're anti this or anti that you hate this you hate that I'm not saying there aren't people that are that way there are that don't have a bloodlust whether they be in Hamas or among para- Palestinians or among Jews or Israelis it's just the nature of unfortunately humanity since we've been recording history maybe before and so I just feel the heaviness, the emotionality, the concern that I have for all the people of not only Israel, but everybody around it, if you care about human beings. And I think, you know, the divisions, the, the you know, when you call Jew, Muslim, Muslim, Christian, we're all born of the same God. We might have different beliefs about it, but the spirit imbues the body. The body is born into a family. The family might happen to be Christian, might happen to be Jewish, might happen to be Muslim, might happen to be no, none of that. And why is it? Is it that we teach these children? To hate before they even have a chance to figure out that most people just want to get along and have fun and engage and enjoy life. Have a cup of coffee together, debate and discuss, even argue about things they might disagree with. But it, it is not the normal state to go all the way in and go, oh, because I disagree with you, I must kill you, or you know, you the other person believes the same thing in the other direction. We are being manipulated, as I said. Post-COVID, what were they going to be able to do to divide us again? Right now, it's pretty obvious what they're doing. To keep us in a permanent state of war with one another. To deepen a hatred that has been fomented over thousands of years because those who foment the hatred will profit from it. Smedley Butler, you remember, said war is a racket. Even in World War II, the rise of Nazi Germany, funded in part by the Bush dynasty, going to Prescott, Bush, and others. The bankers win no matter who loses. All wars are bankers' wars. You follow all of this, and then you get into the biblical perspective, the prophecies about Israel, the second coming of Christ, and all of that. And there are people that know that playbook, so to speak, and can use it and manipulate it to make people believe, people of faith believe that these are the end times. I don't know. Some people out here in this audience think they know. Okay. But there are a lot of folks that are manipulating good people to believe things that may be true, but in what time frame? Are these things being artificially manipulated so that we're willing to engage in a bloodlust of destruction, a wanton destruction of anybody and everybody? anti-Jew, anti-Muslim, anti-Christian, you know, name it. Even in America, uh, what we call Trump derangement syndrome. I I saw an interview yesterday. I watched uh, with my wife, um, Candace Owens, who I'd love to interview, uh, was interviewed on a podcast with Bill Maher. I think he's usually smoking a lot of weed. I don't know if he was doing that because she's sitting there pregnant with (laughs) Bill Maher. And they had rather interesting discussion on a a lot of different things. And overall, it was quite respectful. There were disagreements, of course. Uh, But the ability to to have those things, and yet there were aspects of Maher who really truly believe that Trump, you know, on some level is racist. And they actually had discussions of racism, you know, what it is, what it is. And and it was a good thing to have. We need more of those discussions as well. And yet those who have worked with Trump directly have said he's absolutely magnanimous and, and, you know, encouraging of all women, minorities, etc. And then they had a discussion of, but remember what he said in the locker room, grab him by the you know what? It was just a fascinating journey in the discussion of what causes people to be triggered or reactful so that there is a divide, a Hegelian dialectic. Now, I am not saying Trump was a Ron Paul constitutional guy. That's never been my perspective. But at the same time to say he is the worst thing ever. And then you look at what's going on in this current administration, a guy that doesn't even know what country he's president of, I think, at this point. You go, man, everything's messed up. And now I come to where do we go? Where do I need to go again? And that is back to not only our faith, but our practice of our faith. Because I believe deep in the heart of our faith is a recognition of the spiritual nature of all of creation And the fact that everybody that exists on this planet right now is of God may not be behaving in a godly or Christ-like manner, true even among Christians, but that if we can, if I can, do better, that it could impact positively others. So that rather than engaging in more of that emotional reactivity and hatred and disgust, even if we have to engage intellectually, hopefully, in discussions of disagreement about what's happening and what should be done from this moment forward— but to acknowledge and recognize that if we can just listen, that's kind of like what I try to do on my Sunday conversations, particularly of the Robert Scott Bell show, to go a little deeper and find out why people believe what they believe, what makes them tick, what what shaped and colored their world experiences and beliefs. And this leads me to the opening story of hour two. And it is about children. Raising happy, successful kids. And I don't I have a I don't have a lot to argue here, even though it's coming from a Yale expert. I'm not a big fan of Yale and Harvard and all of those institutions, Princeton. I think they're globalist uh collectivist institutions. But the statement is wait as long as possible to give them a phone. And I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that statement. In fact, I think it's a great statement. Keep them away from iPads and phones as long as possible. Why? Well. Super Don and I grew up in an era where we had no cell phones. The only phones were on the wall with a long cord that you might reach to the living room from the kitchen or whatever. And it had a rotary dial on it. And if you couldn't reach somebody, it would just ring and ring and ring. <laughs> Not many answering machines at that time even. Or it would ring busy until there was call waiting. Oh my gosh, you know. And the things that kids are being exposed to via the cell phone technology and iPad and different things, It's entirely destructive of these kids' ability to find out what life is all about in reality as opposed to the artificiality of now artificial intelligence. I mean, you talk about what you see on a phone or even a television. It has gotten so good in terms of the technology that the things that you said, well, my eyes don't deceive me because I see it. This is what happened. We've talked about it. We've experimented with it here. Super Don has pointed out with artificial intelligence, you can mimic voices. You could even mimic visually people. So you've got to get past the artifice and the, the, the uh, technology. And once again, go heart to heart, eye to eye in multiple dimensions of reality beyond the screens that we all have. Even though I know this, uh, this show is delivered through the screens and I hope and pray that it, it, it helps you get beyond the limitations of this kind of interactivity. But when we get together at various events, and the next one coming up is in um, October, November 2nd to 4th with Drs. Terry and Stu Warner, the Wellness Parenting Revolution, everything that's going on there, uh, that you have an opportunity to see past the artifice, to look somebody in the eye. There it is. There's the functional, med- oh, there's also one coming up in Atlanta. Did you have that one up there, Super Don? Was that one for Atlanta, that image? put up?
2: Yeah, that was the wrong one.
0: It's okay. I mean, you can put that up too. I mean, <laughs> just to give a, a I heads could up. remember.
2: I didn't realize I forgot I was up on screen. So no, that's just, okay. Yeah. But okay. yeah,
0: there's, there's one coming up in Atlanta, March 8th through 10th, but these are events that you could take part in if you want to sponsor, whatever, they're all out there for you, but to attend them, if you haven't made arrangements to come be with us in Scottsdale, Arizona, please do. It's an opportunity to get past all of, again, the artifice and find out heart to heart. What, what do people believe? Why do they believe it? Engage, listen to one another. And they say, find your faith in humanity. Not that I'm saying worship humans, but find out that we're not that different, ultimately. We have more in common than we have that divide us, that lead to all of this. And As you can see, Super D today, Especially yes. with the first hour topic and you know what all's going on on the planet, it's just it's it does weighs heavy on my heart. I'm human. I feel the emotions of it.
2: It's hard. I mean, unless you just <laughs> run away and ignore it, which yeah. some people do, and I I envy them. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, we can't do that here. That's that's
2: kind of my job is to pay attention to what's going on in the news mm-hmm. and stuff. So you become very calloused. Yeah. But you know what it's different for an adult. I mean not for mm-hmm. all adults. Some of a lot sure. of adults are, are stressed out about this. But you know, I yeah. can make excuses. You know, when we cut, we talk about AI, mm-hmm. uh, I dude, I yeah. have a I have a ball with AI. I do all kinds of crazy stuff sure. with it. And no, have all you've kinds used of fun it with it with for it.
0: good things, for benefit. I, I, I use it that. all for good yeah. things.
2: Yeah. And, and my own entertainment. Those two yeah. things. Uh <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's easy very easy as an adult to go, oh, well, it's no big deal. You know, the funny cat videos and the whatever like, whatever, like that, but not not really thinking, you know, what would a, a child be doing with mm-hmm. that AI? The one yeah. that had, doesn't have the years of experience and the wisdom that you do, right. uh, you know, and maybe the common sense, you know, that I, I remember when I was a kid, who knows what I would have done with, with that stuff. Well, yeah, you know? getting
0: this information yeah. uh, before you have the capacity to, to you know, totally. as an adult, navigate it.
2: Curiosity, That's, just the yeah. curiosity factor of being a kid, you know, suddenly you find yourself in places you really shouldn't be. Exactly. You know, um, yeah. so.
0: So as a, in this opening article goes, you know, keeping kids from inappropriate things is not censorship. I must remind you, you know, as as the people in the radical left are saying, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, a trans- cross-dressing transvestite who thinks he's a, a girl. <laughs> reading to them in the library and, and flaunting. And, and I, you know, that's not censorship. That's like, Hey, kids need to be kids. Do we, can we give them time to become adults in their adult world and address those things when they have a maturity about them? Is that unreasonable of me? Are we just old people now? I, you know, I
2: still have not gotten an explanation from anybody helping me understand why it is that, 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 uh, drag queen suddenly became an, an interested in children's literacy.
0: Where did that come from? No, the- they didn't
2: have that when we were growing up.
0: Yeah, so I don't <laughs> think it's just because we're old that we have problems with that. But yeah, uh, as I said, trying to figure our way and navigate this world, for me, it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual crisis. All of this is when we are devoid of that spiritual reality. And I don't, again, people have different views on religions. People, Some people don't like religions at all, but they have a very deep spiritual foundation even without participating in a church, synagogue, mosque, temple, whatever. Uh, so this isn't me about telling you how to do it. But that essence of us, the loss of that connection is what provides an entry level for the crass emotionality that would cause us to to live in fear and take up hate, hate filled causes of wanton destruction, death, mayhem, etc. And that we are all vulnerable while we have a body uh, to be, you know, to guard against falling prey to being manipulated by those who profit from uh, our fear and division and hatred, etc um so this hour i've set it up and i don't know uh with our guest holly swenson what she might have a perspective on this but she's the author of stop drop grow and glow and this is a a book available everywhere and we have it linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com it's a hard cover as well and there's a lot of people that are loving on this and uh, it sounds like it's very positive and uplifting and profound and i'm glad to have her on as any day we need more of that. Hmm. Holly Swenson, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show.
3: Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me.
0: Hi, Holly. Thanks for being on board today. As you might have heard some of the things that are on my mind today and probably on a lot of people's minds today. And I don't mean to use that as a distraction away from what you're presenting, but certainly as an entry level to realize this is this is what the what's going on on planet Earth right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, social media and, you know, the the access our children have these days is pretty overwhelming. I think there's so much information available, you know, at their fingertips. And, um, you know, I, for me, when I think about this, I, it makes me, you know, think back to when the Surgeon General, you know, last May, you know, kind of called on policymakers, um, tech companies, researchers, families, and um, even youth, just to gain more clarity and uh, really more understanding of how it's impacting, um, impacting our youth. And, you know, it's something that I think we need to just be more conscious of and how and I, I really think the the main, uh, you know, the main focus for a lot of uh, this kind of falls on parents' shoulders because they're the ones, you know, who are, you know, ultimately, um, you know, supplying devices to their children. So I think there just needs to be good dialogue between parents and kids on how they're using it, what they're accessing and, and um and really keep those channels open.
0: Did we ask more of kids <laughs> some generations ago than we ask of them today? Because, uh, you know, I remember when I was growing up, Super Don, we're in the same generation X, and we would just leave the house and come back, you know, at nightfall when we heard, you know, the dinner bell or mom yelling or some some signal that you knew to come back. We didn't have cell phones and you know, maybe someone would argue, well, it was a simpler time, and people were safer to go out about to do that. But the question then is asked: How did we become so unsafe? You know, what did we abandon to allow this to occur? That children, uh, you know, are 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 at risk of being, you know, kidnapped and uh, other things. And I and I'm thinking with the technology, they're already their minds are being kidnapped, even if they're under your own home or they go to these public schools, aka government indoctrination centers. And the things that are learning, we didn't know about until COVID happened and people were getting Zoom lessons and the parents were dropping in on it going, what are you teaching my kid? You had no idea. Yeah. And they're coming in with some strange ideas, how to deceive your parents, how to hate your parents, how to find out your parents are actually horrible people. And just the strangest stuff that has occurred in the last few years. And I wonder if you encompass that in terms of your book, Stop, Drop, Grow and Glow.
3: Um, I don't speak to that specifically, but I, you know, I think that it's something that needs more awareness for sure. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you know, school wise, I'm not really sure how to speak to that necessarily, but I mean, 95% of kids ages 13 to 17 are, you know, using, you know, social media or they're engaged with this, you know, um, you know, it's a, so they're, uh you know using social media almost constantly a third of that 95% of kids and so it's this is something that kids are actively engaged with and um you know in terms of you know the school setting and uh, I'm reframe that question for me if you don't mind i want to make sure i'm i'm addressing it properly yeah i'm
0: going to come back to it we we have to take a quick break because our friends at TV they do a little bit break partway through this hour And uh, I want to shout out and say thank you to everybody at brighton.tv watching on their TVs right now. Thanks to Mike Adams, the Health Ranger, and all uh, that they do to support the ability to have freedom of speech, discussion, engagement uh, on controversial topics without fear of censorship. It's an important part of it because the censors are never the good guys. More on The Robert Scott Bell Show after this. Okay, they break, we continue on, Holly, so we can pause, we're still talking, okay. hang in there. Just <laughs> a last deep breath. I know <laughs> okay. Gane, the, you're, you're feeling it too, as I am, uh, the intensity of the discussion points. These are not light issues. Uh, and of course, when we talk about the concern we have for raising children in the midst of a lot of things that are causing, not just the physical kidnaps that occur and have occurred, but uh, you know, we talk about the mental and emotional kidnapping of these children, even as we raise them as parents. And to your point, um, you know, giving them all of these devices has become what the babysitter, right? We don't have to engage so much. And, and partly, you know, moms and dads are so busy trying to, to, to work, to, you know, to pay the cost of government, much less to keep up with the inflationary spiral of the, uh, the money system itself becoming worth less and less and less. You never stay where you are, much less get ahead. And so it's putting additional stress economically on families to yeah. where who can spend the time the kids need in terms of having that guidance that parents would like, maybe nor- in a normal situation, to give them, yeah. and now find themselves too exhausted to engage. And I'm not trying to make excuses for parents either. I know, um, you know, there there are uh, legitimate reasons sometimes that that is needed. Uh, so it's a discussion without a, a clear question. Holly, my apologies.
3: Yeah, no, no it's it's a big it's a loaded <laughs> it's a loaded question, and I do think a lot of times it's just a lot easier for families to you know, unfortunately plug their kids in because they, they just don't have the time or resources to, you know, I think engage the way they wish they could. And it, you know, I think for me, even when I go out, you know, to restaurants, you see these little tiny kids getting propped up with cell phones and tablets and, you know, they're not learning how to engage in a way that's healthy, Mm -hmm. uh, really developing those social skills.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, So, If the engagement with electronic instruments is something that could uh, establish well adjusted adults, you know, what we'd be seeing is uh, kids that aren't uh, crying that they're being oppressed because uh, they're not being called by the appropriate pronoun, which used to be, you know, whether male or female. And now it's like, how many? I mean, mean, there are such bizarre things that happen in a world where we have everything we want given to us and we don't have to work for anything. And then we expect, you know, if something goes a little off, we, uh, you know, go off the handle about something that is not a life or death situation. All right, we're back. Welcome back. For those of you watching on Brighton.tv, the Robert Scott Bell Show is on two hours a day, five days a week, live Monday through Friday. And an additional hour Sunday conversation on Sunday. Now our conversation with Holly, Holly Swenson, who's on for the first time, talking about parents and kids and, you know, you know, how do you raise kids in this electronic world uh, so that they don't get lost, even if they're you know, at home and your parents are at home and then you still lose them. These are big questions that parents and, you know, I'm a parent now of adult kids, but seriously, man, to, to be having kids right now, oh man, I think the challenge got even harder.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's uh there's a lot to juggle and, and there's a lot to consider as a parent and, and how, you know, you're leading your, your kids. I think the biggest part of this is role modeling too. I mean, I think role modeling, you know, parents are plugged in all the time. And you've got to show and teach your kids, I think, healthy boundaries and show them what that looks like. And, you know, it's these tools serve a purpose. And I think they really help us. There's pros and cons to anything. But you also need to know when it's time to turn it off. And, and also, I think, especially when you're role modeling for your kids and and working with them to, you know, really help them establish um, their own healthy boundaries of like, when it's time to turn it off, what content are they, you know, engaging with uh, you know all of those things impact the way you feel and your mental health.
0: What is it that you you know we have this book out there as as well? Are you doing some level of consulting for parents or or where is your focus in terms of your work now sure. with this yeah. book?
3: Yeah, great question. So my book just launched in September, and so right now I'm currently just in promotion mode and really trying to um, you know spread the the word about my work and. You know, this is a, an area that I feel so passionately about. And really, you know, writing this book was, a for me, a deep calling in a way that I could be of service to parents everywhere. Uh, you know, I have four children, uh, I have four boys, and so it's a, a topic that, that means a lot to me, finding, you know, more wellness, more intentionality, more joy, um, you know, as a person and as a parent, because I think you have to nurture both of those. Uh, just because you become a parent, you, you can't lose yourself in that process. You've got to take care of both.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So is it, it, are you lecturing as well or just doing interviews? I mean, are there any events that you're going to be attending? People can meet you and ask questions or engage. Maybe you have a service that they that they'd want to avail themselves of?
3: Sure, so right now, so I just attended a conference um, in Bozeman, the Athena, Athena Conference. Um, and I'm doing just different podcasting, doing some radio shows. Um right, I don't have any, you know, big conferences um in the works as of right now, but uh like I said, I'm just working to connect and um and really just promote conscious parenting and and helping people step into more wellness.
0: Now, your website is called LiveYourGlow.live. Yes. yes. Liveyourglow.live. Uh you talks a little bit about the uh, your journey, how you got here and and what what you're all about but the book itself, Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow, is it written primarily for parents or who, who should be picking this thing up and reading it?
3: Yeah, so it's been getting great reviews. Uh, you know, parents, of course, uh, even people who are thinking about becoming parents, I think it really could help them, you know, maybe consider some things that they hadn't, um, you know, thought of. And I've, I've also gotten great feedback from grandparents who said it's, this book was really tremendous in having them really kind of stop and reflect on their own lives, even though they're past the parenting age, you know, maybe they're taking care of their little, you know, their grandkids, but it still has uh, been well-received by, by both parents and grandparents.
0: And how old are your kids now?
3: Uh, we have a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and we have twins that are 13.
0: Oh, good Lord. The yeah. teen years are upon you.
3: Yeah, It's like a rodeo.
0: <laughs> Whoa.
3: Yeah. Do you have children?
0: Yes, my my son is 23 and, and my daughter is 18. And, um, you know, they grew up in a tra- time of transition from what I knew as as my youth, uh, where we didn't have all of this electronic media. Uh, and by the time we had began discovering it, we were already adults, right? Uh, to the point where these kids are exposed to some things that uh, you, I've argued that as parents, you have to deprogram them every day by communicating, by sitting, talking, listening. I'm not judging them so that they're afraid to talk about what they're going through, but there's got to be some, and it's true of all humanity as I talk about some of the things we we discussed last year up to the, the warfare mentality on this planet. We don't sit and listen to one another. We don't really take that time. And uh, life has become so fast paced in an electronic world that to take a moment to breathe, much less a moment to eat, has <laughs> become a foreign concept for a lot of folks. And, and then some would say, uh, in a negative context of those, well, you know, you you uh, you just want to live in the ancient days when you actually had a uh, one one parent stay at home and not have to work. And I think, what's wrong with that? I mean, when when my wife, who became a professional at a, as a doctorate level, uh, decided when we had kids to be doctor mom instead of out in the world professional, I was like, I'm all in on that. We think that the most important job we can do as parents, and particularly as a mom. Is to raise kids that you know have a have a chance in this world yeah. to function at all and that having a family is an important part of that yet there's been so much anti-family rhetoric or people who are pro-family uh, been denigrated in the media and in government and various things that uh, it's just it's just that bizarre inside out upside-down world that we're in almost an Orwellian world that has become rather than to embrace some basic things that still are good
3: absolutely yeah you know i think that that you know for me i love being a mother and i i was you know gifted with the ability to stay home and raise our children and so for me that's something i'll always be grateful for um you know and i wouldn't trade it so for me you know being a mom and and being in a committed relationship that for me that comes first and then everything else you know falls in line after and so you know i'm doing this work now and you know and it's very meaningful to me but i still you know cherish that role of being a mother and and being there for my kids and, and helping, you know, be that sounding board and that, you know, the comfort that they need to help them, you know, really come into themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tremendous gift.
0: And what, and what does your husband do?
3: Uh, He's in banking
0: banking. All right. So it provides a a way, and it it seems to be rare and it shouldn't be where one parent can actually stay home and raise kids. And um, this is not me standing against equal rights of women to go out in the workplace. That's not it at all. It's about the freedom to choose it. But, you know, over the, the course of what they call equal rights for women, it, it became the opposite of that. It, it, they denigrated women who just who chose to stay home and work with the family and support the family and work with the kids. And I think that's way out of balance as well.
3: Yeah. I, well, and I think, you know, women, you know, whether whether it's the, the mother staying home or even the father, I mean, I think it's it's important for your kids to know you, you know, and to have that you know, that role modeling, that shared experience, and that, that, you know, constant connection, I think there's so many kids that are disconnected. And, you know, I think, you know, and then, you know, relating it back to the topic of today, I mean, I think we've never been, you know, more connected, and yet more, more disconnected at the same time, you know, it's, it's this instant gratification society we're living in. And I think, you know, it's important to um, have a really good solid home base
0: are you homeschooling the kids? You have them in a private school or what are you, what are you electing to do? And this is not a, this is a judgment free zone on that. I just asked because, uh, you know, I like to know how people are raising their kids, what they've invested in and how, how, uh, how it's working out.
3: Yeah. Uh, thank you for the question. So we have currently they're in three, they are in public school. Um, you know, during COVID we did homeschool, uh, for a time. And so I was teaching three grades. And so that was a learning curve for me, (laughs) but you know, we, uh, we, we actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And our youngest uh, is, has actually been asking about homeschool again. So it's something we might entertain uh,
0: mm-hmm. in the future. Beautiful. Well, yeah. as I said, please, please, please be cautious about the things they're learning. It's no longer reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's so much more. And even in what we consider the best public schools, unless parental engagement is all in to those public schools, they are teaching kids things that are shocking. Absolutely shocking in terms of the belief about themselves, gender, much less uh, pigmentation and what that means, whether they're uh, oppressors or victims. And it's just, I said, I don't know that as much as it's a challenge to have kids at all anytime, uh, the challenge has been ratcheted up based on what's happening out there in the world that we have to counteract every day.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, It's, it's good to keep a pulse on what's happening. Thank you for that.
0: So Stop, Drop, Grow, and Glow. Can you briefly tell me what you mean by drop?
3: Absolutely. <laughs> um, so my title of my book is really my framework. And so if you don't mind, I'll just quickly, you know, so, uh, so it starts with stop. And it's really learning how to stop and assess where you are in life. And, you know, kind of check in with yourself because for so many parents, you don't give yourself time to stop and, and, ch- and do an internal check-in. So that's the first stop. And then you go to drop, and drop is really about learning to drop any trauma, drama, personal live, you know, experience that's really keeping you from living in the now, and showing up in a way that's present, um, you know, for your family. And I don't know if you want me to keep going, but I can. Yes, please. Yeah, I want okay. you to go through
0: the whole drop and grow, and grow and then glow.
3: Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, and then then you're, you know, again, this is just a real brief nutshell. But then, you know, you go to grow, and it's learning to lean on things in life that are gonna help you continue to grow as a person. So that might look a little different for each person, but um, I talk about, you know, the importance of, of understanding your hormonal system, uh, sleep, uh, diet, exercise, um, you know, really just learning how to be more mindful. And so applying, you know, healthy, healthy things to your life to help you grow as an individual and then and then taking you know what you've learned from my framework and learning how to live that glow in the world for yourself and and for your family
0: excellent well i appreciate you uh putting that out there for other folks and parents especially to glean some wisdom from to do better uh as well as those who are just starting out i'm sure that the the insights they they glean from it would be a benefit so i appreciate you coming on board today and Wish you all the success. Maybe we're at a similar event as we're hitting the events in the upcoming events tab. I think you have an upcoming events tab right now. I focus. I see the focus is like you said on a bunch of podcasts, and I'm glad you could stop by here and let everybody know what you're doing.
3: Absolutely, and and I'll just do a quick uh, quick mention too. My book just launched on Audible, so for anyone that's you know doesn't have time to crack a book, it, it is available there as well.
0: Excellent. So on Audible as well, you can listen to it uh, while you're in the car or if you're taking the kids to school, whatever it is. Maybe they can hear it too.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: All right, Holly. Thanks. Holly Swenson on the Robert Bell Show, her book, Stop, Drop, Glow, and Glow, Grow and Glow, forming deeper and more joyful connections with yourself and your children, available now, as well as on Audible. And I appreciate all of her efforts. We need all the help we can get. Parents do at this point in time. So I'm, I'm grateful for uh, Holly for being on board today. And I mentioned upcoming events. Um, you know, if you go to the upcoming events tab at robertscabell.com, the big one coming up next is in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Dr. David Brownstein, Dr. Brian Artist, Dr. Jack, Jack Wolfson, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits, James Thorpe, Dr. Richard Ursa. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are going to join us in the desert when it's going to be nice and warm and mild, not kick cooking hot, which is a perfect time. There it is. Uh, uh, there are CMEs available for some CEs for others, and, uh, we're going to be together talking about, and and it looks like Dr. Ely may be there as well. That'd be amazing. So I'm looking forward to being there with you. You can reach out to Drs. Warner, DRS Warner at protonmail.com. If you have questions about the event, if you want to see if there's still availability space available for that, uh, and we'll have some other events around it. I believe at the Giving Tree, uh, which is a great organic vegan restaurant and, uh, our buddy Doug is and Brian, they're going to be helping set that up probably a Friday and Saturday evening event afterwards. And I'll let you know when I know, lock in, when I'll be there for that. Uh, and we had one, a surprise event one Sunday down there. That was amazing. I uh, really enjoyed. So check that out as well as they have one coming up in Atlanta in March. Uh, if you'd like to participate in that, uh, make that available to you. Uh, then the Greater uh, the Great Exodus Conference. This is going to happen in Dallas, Texas, basically the West End and South Lake, Texas, educating, inspiring, empowering patriots with clear solutions to reclaim their constitutionally, I would say, protected rights. The rights come from God, not government. I'll be speaking about uh, gold backs and gold, silver and copper as supplemental medicine for the body. So a little bit more than just economic talk for me. I've got a, a talk on the, the 11th and the 12th. Uh, so if you're going to be in Dallas, Texas area on those two days, Check out greatexodusconference.com. And there's more than that coming up. 2024, the Autism Health Summit, February 2nd and 3rd. Uh, I don't think we've added this yet, but Tia Severino has invited me also back to Atlanta in March for the Next Steps 2024 conference. And so as soon as we get that uh, banner or whatever up, we'll have that and more up on the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. But suffice to say, you still have a little bit of time today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. So by the twenty fifth of October, you have to have your hotel reservations in for the Scottsdale event, and they've extended the deadline because there was some confusion on there, whatever. But the deadline has been extended to get discount rates for the hotel for the uh, the big big wellness parenting conference as well, and then um, also just to sign up and maybe get a little discount uh, to be part of the event to attend it. Uh, they're still today, tomorrow, and Wednesday by the twenty fifth. Please make your arrangements to meet us in Phoenix, Scottsdale. Arizona. Now it's the Functional Medicine Summit and Expo. What else do I got? Uh, I got a homeopathic hit to to do. And uh, they're not hits that hurt that require Arnica, Arnica Montana, but there are hits that might hurt if you're not familiar with the Latin name of things that you already know, like, for instance, Nutmeg, coming up right about now.
1: Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day right here on the Robert Scott
2: Bell Show.
0: Yes, today's homeopathic hit is nutmeg, Nux moschata. Nux moschata is the homeopathic name, the Latin name of nutmeg. You're like, oh, nutmeg's a medicine too? Yeah, as a homeopathic it is. There are certain things nutmeg can do in excess that indicate its use as a homeopathic remedy. And it's often considered the remedy for digestive issues and some level of emotional imbalance. I will say this is one of the remedies that I don't use as much. Doesn't mean I don't like the remedy or I'm discriminating against the remedy. It's just that you find things that work and they work and they work. And then if they don't, you go to another remedy. In this case, Nux Machada, the homeopathic hits a brief overview uh, of the use for digestive issues and emotional imbalances and uh, how it can uh, be addressing these situations. Now, Nux Machada is derived from the nutmeg seed The substance carefully processed by a process of serial dilution and succussion into potentized into a homeopathic remedy can be, you know, parts per thousand, parts per million, parts per billion and beyond. Key characteristics of Nux Machada include the use for like, well, indigestion, flatulence. Super Don, what is flatulence? Do you have a sound effect for that? No. You want me to do one? okay I did it
2: <laughs> you know I've got all kinds of different things here and I don't have a fart sound
0: how do you not have a flatulence sound we do enough remedies that address flatulence so
2: I mean uh, I used to okay but I literally I do not I'm looking here so much for the um, teenage
0: boys that we think we are I, have need, I, I need to put that on my list of things to 2d do. sounds yeah. anyway so in addition to that flatulence and indigestion dizziness Remember, we've talked about other remedies for dizziness, but if that other remedy, Coculus, for instance, does, hey, maybe, maybe Nux Machada is good. Also, sensitivity to the slightest breeze that could trigger, you know, a weakness, a, a cough, a congestion of some kind, and a, a bloated stomach could be indicating the use of Nux Machada. When it comes to the mental health states, and again, there's more than I can go through in this brief overview, but Nux Machada may be indicated for people experiencing various emotional imbalances, forgetfulness, or a sense of detachment from the world around them. Once again, primary uses, digestive, indigestion, flatulence, bloating, especially when accompanied by feelings of fullness and emotional issues, often indicating uh, when you're under emotional imbalance, forgetfulness, particularly when you feel detached or spaced out. Now, if you could bring me back onto the screen, super Don, I just want to just show everybody during this brief version of these homeopathic hits. If I open up the page in my book, the, the book, it's on page 462 Nux Machada nutmeg. And you know, you hold it up here and you'll see down at the bottom is where it starts right there. Nux Machada. And then the second page, a full page of, other symptoms and indications from the mouth, the stomach, the abdomen, female-specific issues, including hemorrhage and menses too long, things like that, respiratory issues. So, you know, just to give you another explanation of when I do these homeopathic hits, they're just brief hits to pique your interest, to hope that you might go a little deeper and a little further. And in that, we also share with you some other remedies that might be related and you'll start seeing patterns emerge of remedies that keep coming back keep coming back more commonly used and go back to the uh the homeopathic kit and by the way this is a pdf document that's available for free thanks to SuperDon. that you can go in the more tab or in today's show notes you'll have it linked up and uh, if we look from the primary uses let's go to the corresponding remedies uh, after the dosages and potencies. Where did I, I miss them? There they are, Complementary remedies, there we go. Pulsatilla is another remedy that's often used after Nux Machada for treating lingering symptoms of digestive issues. Igna- Ignatia, you've heard a lot about that. We've talked about mourning, emotional uh, imbalance, uh, history of loss, grief, stress. Ignatia could be a complementary remedy to Nux Machada, but Nux Machada, and then Nux, another Nux, Nux Vomica. Which is, you know, if I've talked about it once, I've talked about it a thousand times. Nux vomica is a polycrest for the liver, really indicated for relief of stomach pain and discomfort, but a whole lot more. It's another complementary remedy dealing with a lot of digestive issues or indigestion issues. And so uh, while Nux machada is safe as a homeopathic remedy, please avoid self-prescribing for chronic or severe conditions. And if symptoms worsen or persist, consider consulting a homeopathic professional. And just as a reminder, it's a versatile remedy as they all are, particularly effective for digestive issues and certain emotional imbalances. So keep tuning into the Robert Scab Bell Show for more enlightening homeopathic hits. And remember, this is not to replace your doctor if you have one or if you want one. This is about education and information, giving you the opportunity to make more informed, fully informed decisions about how you care for yourself and your family. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to do these homeopathic hits. And I love that you're loving them. And we do even more. There are a lot of homeopathic questions that come up pretty intensely. And I'm not the only homeopath in these Zoom calls that we do every month with the uh, patron supporter uh, supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show. And you could be one as well for as little as five bucks a month. And it's just, it's just so much fun to get together. We have quite a nice healing community helping one another. And the next one will be Saturday the 28th, this Saturday coming up of Oct- October, yes. And that's uh, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. So this, we have a lot more coming from Europe and maybe even the Middle East that it won't be too late to be up with us, although some stay up even when we do our week weekday evening editions. So we try to flip-flop between a Saturday morning midday to an evening weekday uh, each month a little bit different. So thanks for your consideration and your support. Uh, if you like what you're hearing and you enjoy what you're learning and uh, the fact that All I really ask is that you share the show and sign up for the newsletter. It's free. We don't sell your information at all. And we'll keep you plugged in when there are other shadow bans and deplatforming still going on. I mean, heck, we're still banned on YouTube and Spotify. And uh, what is the other one? LinkedIn. Of all places, LinkedIn doesn't have us on there. We used to be able to broadcast live there. Like, oh, no, you disagree with uh, Klaus Schwab or something like that. (laughs) Anyway. So there we are. There we go. Did, what did I miss today? Did I miss the yellow pillow discussion? Which kind of a gross discussion. If I have to do it, I will. Did you see that in hour one? There's an article about you. Is your pillow? Of
2: course I oh. saw that. I put it on
0: there. You put it out. Why? Why would you choose that of all articles?
2: Um, well, you know, sometimes things uh, find themselves newsworthy hmm uh th- this was not let me get to it here uh yeah. this this was not something that i found on crackedmagazine.com
0: <laughs> right
2: <clears throat> this actually hails from nbc news but i thought it was interesting i i was curious about your your take on this because yeah. apparently uh, over on on well it's it's called x now used yeah. to be twitter i still call it twitter because i mm-hmm. yeah because that's what we it's, do it's weird to call it x mm-hmm. but in any case, apparently this erupted on, online over the weekend. And I, I've, I've had a teenage, a couple of teenage sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess, you know, let me just ask you this. Have you ever had a pillow look like this before?
0: Yes. Okay. I remember that back All in right. the day as a kid. You know, <laughs> you didn't replace pillows. You just put another pillowcase over it. Right. right. Oh, I totally remember that.
2: Now, I personally, I don't think I've ever had a pillow look like this before, personally, because um, that just looks disgusting to me. Okay, but there was this 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 uh, back and forth going on mm-hmm. online, and I guess for some guys, uh, they like never get rid of their pillow. It's almost like a like a thing, you know. It's yeah. like a like a pet, or mm-hmm. or so they have an emotional attachment to their pillow and they can sleep, you know, better on this disgusting, yellow, crusty, nasty thing uh, than they would if, if you gave them a new pillow, they just, they wouldn't be able to sleep. And, and they're... Oh, they're, man. And so, uh, help me, I, I mean, I, I was just curious, we've never had no. this conversation in, in 18 years that I've been working with you. What's that? We've never talked about yellow pillows before. So is this oh, a thing that you're aware of now? Now, and I'll yes. say, I know. I one of my sons, mm-hmm. I uh, he actually it's the older son now. He's not even a teenager. Yeah, here, but he he moved out and left his pillow here, and it was yellow like this. And my wife was just like, "I'm like, burn that thing! What what was going on with that?" I actually threw it in the now. Me being the guy who likes doesn't like to throw stuff away. Yeah, I I washed it and I bleached oh. the heck out of it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like and it came out okay. Yeah. But this is literally what, what he was sleeping on. And apparently this is not a like a, a, a weird thing. There are yeah. a lot of guys that have pillows that look like this and they don't want to let them go.
0: Well, I think if you're ignorant of it, I, I get it. But if you look at it and you still want to hold on to it, there's an emotional issue there that you have. <laughs> because there's no
2: reason. It's obviously way more common than I thought. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I didn't know about this either. Remember. Uh, there are a lot of people sleeping. It used to be feather pillows. Then there are foam pillows. Now there are memory foam pillows. And there are a lot of different things. And we have discussed pillows on the show, you know, with Lisa Hill and Silverite Pillow. Oh, yeah. From Silverite Global. And and remember, when I switched to the Silverite Pillow, my sinuses cleared up almost immediately at night. Because you're sleeping on all kinds of debris, you know, all kinds of mites and yeah dust and microbes and all kinds of strange well, and things i'm looking there. at
2: this thing here and i'm just yeah. like i don't I don't know what that is that's causing that to look that way but that can't be healthy
0: no i mean it could be oils from the skin over time as well but yeah oh. you can see a lot of things that are growing in that and so i, I don't even say, know
2: if a silver pillowcase would even be enough to, to counter
0: it'd be better than nothing but i agree yeah. i would say at that point get rid of it i like the kapok i know that you need to add more kapok to yours my pillow is deflated yes. You can fluff it up for a while, but you might need to add more. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know if they're out of stock or not on it, but Silverite uh, Global, I think. Do we still have the Silverite pillow linked up? Yep, banner. The
2: banner's still there. Yeah.
0: Uh, nope. If you if you look at – if you take off the pillowcase and you see what you're seeing in that picture below us right now, please get a Silverite pillow. Dude, you could better. pick
2: up all kinds of different pillows and stuff like that. And so yeah. you, you can't – you know, uh, there were claims that were being made online that – that uh, there was no way that they could ha- sleep as well on a new pillow as they could on this one that they've had since they were five.
0: Well, and as I said, just, that's an emotional issue. That's not a yeah. real issue. I mean, you can find a pillow that, that you'll feel comfortable with, but that's an emotional attachment, uh, a dangerous one at that, because to be oh. breathing that in every night, it's a wonder people are, are at all functional. <laughs> and, you know, there's enough outside of their home that's problematic. So anyway, listen, today has been for me, you know, pretty emotional as the topic that we open with today and what's going on on the planet. Um, I'd like to be able to have great in-depth discussions on all of these things, but I fear and feel that many people go off just completely ballistic one side or the other or both sides over it's all or nothing. It's all 100% good, 100% evil, and there are varying shades of gray in all of this, and there are real people caught in the middle of it on all sides of it. And as I try to explain, these globalists have been mucking up plant, the people of planet Earth for their, and manipulating them for their own interests, for their own profit, and to enslave you. Uh, if not overt slavery, then more subtle economic slavery or slavery to the mind, slavery to the emotions through fear and hatred and anger. And there's a lot of that manifesting now. I, I pray that we can dissipate that into the, into the streams of God and God can handle it. It's those of us here that sometimes it's overwhelming and uh, somehow find a way back to uh, peaceful discourse and a way that we can live together amongst many different viewpoints, beliefs, et cetera. And as I said, soul is what's inside. That means that's who you really are. This outer external you know, distinction and difference between us that divides so many. I wish we could learn the lesson even as simple as the star-bellied sneeches of Dr. Seuss. You know, and how how often do we get played because we look a little different, believe a little different when left alone to our own accord to figure it out? We go, you know, it's a lot better to get along, even if we disagree. And that's not what the globalists want. So I'd like to direct our ire, if you have to, at those really responsible for it, rather than those who've been manipulated into action, even though they need to be called to account for their actions uh, and repent for those who have done horrible things in the name of, you name it, right? Sometimes it's in the name of God, you know, talk about wars in the name of God.
2: Personally, Uh, I believe it's in the name of Joe Pesci. (laughs) The name of Joe Pesci. Okay. That's right. (laughs)
0: Alright, anything else you want to wrap up? Before we wrap up, hit a, a quick... Nope. uh
2: we'll hit the break round. here. Um, we did have a question of the day. Uh, oh, just a brief it? one that we could get to. Okay. Uh, we can do that in the bonus. Question of the day coming
0: up in the yep. bonus round, y'all. Thanks for being here. Share the show. RobertScatBell.com. Power to Heal is yours.
2: Alright. <clears throat> little uh, yellow pillow update here. Yes, yes. I just couldn't resist. I had to look and see what it is what is it that makes pillows turn yellow.
0: Hmm.
2: All right, so here's here's the official um, I guess explanation. Would know. yeah uh, It says here that pillows can turn yellow due to a variety of factors, most of which involve the accumulation of moisture. Hmm. Now this is a, a combination of sweat, drool, wet hair, body oils and beauty products. <laughs> and these liquids and moisture can stain the pillow uh, and make it look yellow over time. Mm-hmm. Um they can harbor bacteria and allergens potentially affecting the quality of your sleep and your health. So That's it. That's right, what, well, that's that's you got sweat, drool, uh, <laughs> wet it provides hair. A
0: wonderful growth medium. You're sleeping mm. on a petri dish. Yeah. Yeah. Clean yeah. it up. Get a Silverite pillow. And I think there's a discount code for the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, I th- let's see. What is it here? Let's, let's go over to the website and look real quick, and then we'll do the question of the day. So if I scroll down, I know you can't see this, but I'm just doing this real quick here. Silverite, yes, code is RSB20. It's right there on the banner. Mm-hmm. So you put in RSB20, and it'll get you 20% off.
0: Okay, excellent. There you go. All Thank right. you for that. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, so question of the day was kind of a, I mean, it's it seems like a simple one, but do we have a simple answer for it? Uh, this is from Kate, and we get these, these kind of questions actually fairly often. Kate says, Hi, uh, hello, Dr. Bell, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Some people mm-hmm. call that misery. <laughs> uh, do you know of a really good homeopath or herbalist and or naturopath in this mm-hmm. area? I have a few health issues I'd like addressed. Glaucoma is one of them. Hmm. I just heard you and Dr. Artist talking about this and its relationship to the kidneys, uh, the eye kidney connection. I really enjoy your show. Thank you for all of your great work. Sincerely, Kate. Wow. Okay. Kate, Kate. Kate. yeah, okay. Uh, okay, that's that's quite a name there. Um, so it, here's the problem. I mean it's like are you aware of like a clearinghouse? Like online where it's like, you know, find a naturopath.com or, you know, uh, or something where I, I, I haven't found one yet.
0: You know, I would like for Trinity School to have a list of graduates that people can access in various areas, you know, that have come through CNHP or the traditional naturopathy programs. And maybe that's something we can bring up with them. If anybody from Trinity is listening right now, there are probably Trinity graduates almost everywhere. I would be shocked if there's not one in the St. Louis area that could help um this is a great question by kate Uh, i i reached out to taryn gregson who lives in the st louis area but they haven't been there that long they're kind of not connected to the community much anymore so uh trying to find a a naturopath or a homeopath they didn't have an answer either so i'd let them know if she says if you find out let me know (laughs) so otherwise uh remote sessions by many of the guests we've had on i always love to recommend uh, Roseanne Lindsay from NatureofHealing.org as a naturopath. She's up in Wisconsin, but again, a lot of these things are are wonderful through what they call telehealth support, if you will.
2: Now, let me ask you something because I know that you've yeah. you've told some stories, yes, about speaking or being at these different um, you know uh, conferences and stuff for these associations. Now, mm-hmm. the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians,
0: yes, AANP. You're familiar with
2: this this organization? Is yeah, this that an organization
0: primarily focused on the uh, uh, what we call the non traditional naturopaths, the ones that go through Best Year and National become licensed? Okay, right. So if you want an allopathic naturopath, and maybe you do, they, ANP, do they have a list?
2: Uh, I'm I just I'm okay. taking a stab at it here. Sure. Naturopathic and membership advocacy. Um, There's also
0: the American Naturopathic Medical Association, ANMA that's more of the traditional naturopathy. That's another group that could be, uh, might have a database to say, hey, if you're in this area, we have a naturopath available to you. In terms of homeopaths, many homeopaths are not just homeopaths, they happen to be naturopaths, sometimes medical doctors are also homeopaths. So it's a, you know, a challenge to it find. Looks,
2: it looks like the AANP mm-hmm. uh, does have some kind of a search feature here. There's also one that comes up here, it's called the Institute for Natural Medicine. Naturemed.org, and it has a find an ND um, thing on there. So it looks like there. I guess there are some 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 uh, ways to
0: search. But always check out uh, if somebody knows them, has been to them, so you learn about them, read about them. You know what are people saying? Um, You know, ultimately, I you know pray on it, get guidance from within, or have a consult. introductory console often they'll have you there and then you'll decide hey is this does this resonate right this is the way you feel because just like anything just because you're a naturopath doesn't mean you're the right person for everybody oh 100
2: percent. you got to do your homework i just used the institute for natural medicine stuck st louis missouri in there and it came up with a couple of uh, suggestions but again we it's not like we're recommending these people because we don't know them Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some some ones out there, but I don't know. I, it'd be kind of not, not a bad idea for somebody to to create something mm-hmm. of um, you know naturopaths maybe that are more traditional, because um, I know a lot of people are looking for that. Yeah. Uh, don't go uh, to a naturopath that's going to give you a vaccine, right?
0: Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, by the way, here's some Nux Machata. It's a little oh. blue. Hakuna know, Matata. Yeah. Um, this is a 12C. But as you look on here, you probably can't see it. But the only thing that is listed on it for indications, so tiny, is flatulence or drowsiness. And, and we, it's just, it's so. Yeah, it's to too small. On that. It's too small. But there's no room to do much. But as I read, not only in our brief homeopathic hit, and as I opened up the Materia Medica, there's so much more than those two things, but that's all they can fit on the. Label <laughs> So you have to do a little bit more homework. Um, the Boriki, which is the one I recommend a home, a Materia Medica, you can get a lot of times they're published in India. But I think you can actually do a search online and get the Boriki version online, just each remedy as you go. So for those of you who can't for any reason get the Materia Medica and you want to go further than our homeopathic hit, You can do that on your own as you you know dig into these individual remedies and learn more about things that might be more appropriate for you than others so uh, you don't have to wait for a homeopath necessarily although if you're going into a deep constitutional prescribing session yes you need that or if you've got so much going on that you like rightfully so one remedy is not going to be you know i just need a lot more support than that Uh, that's where you do need to reach out and get some additional help uh even the the clinical homeopathy introduction that I do for Trinity can get you a head start on basic level. How do I clear the terrain? How do I get that started? Cause even if you don't have a doc and one day you might find one by doing some of the basic things on your own, you can safely do that. You can get closer to when you find somebody, they'll be better able to help you. You'll be a much less complicated situation by clearing the terrain, helping the liver to do its job, et cetera. So those are some things to consider as well. All right. What else we got here in the bonus round? Don't have a lot. Emails coming in trying to catch up with them. Uh, Let's see. You got dogs barking?
2: I do. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here.
0: Any other questions or comments? I got nothing on, nothing on Rumble.
2: Okay. Um, Not a whole lot on Facebook today.
0: Supposed to be going to see Yes with my kids on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I just saw something that they had to cancel a concert over the weekend because Steve Howe got a cut on his hand limiting oh. his ability to play guitar. I hope it heals up. But I actually, just to be safe, on their Facebook page, I said, Steve, get some Sovereign Silver First Aid gel. Put <laughs> there it you on go. there so you can play fast, right? Like nice. You do. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, that'll be kind of cool. How many times have you seen them?
0: Yes, in concert? Mm-hmm. I think uh, once or twice. I, I haven't seen them a lot over the years. But yeah, oh, it's been a long time.
2: <clears throat> you're a huge fan, and you haven't gone and seen them.
0: Yeah. I mean they didn't they didn't tour America as often as other bands over the yeah, years. Oh really? Yeah. And there are certainly sometimes <clears> circumstances don't allow you in, in life to, to hit every concert you like to. Back when we were young, yeah, all the time, right? Yeah. So I'm grateful that I can do it this time with the kids and hopefully. You like musicals? Musicals? Yeah. Like what? What do you mean like
2: what? You know, yeah. the thing you sit in the seat and the people dance and sing and act and stuff.
0: Well, I just didn't know if you meant musical movies or theater, so I just
2: no well, I guess either way, but no I mean I, I thought of you over the weekend because I, I saw there was a uh, an article about the the Neil Diamond musical.
0: Oh yeah, they have a beautiful noise on Broadway.
2: yeah, there was That's I right. saw a thing on that. I was like, oh that actually would be kind of, probably kind of entertaining. I would go see I used to see a lot of musicals when I was younger.
0: Where were you? In the Bay Area, you could go out and see music? Oh yeah.
2: They had you know there's there was a couple of amphitheaters. I can't remember mm-hmm. can't remember the name of uh, of the amphitheater we would go to, but you know, I got to see the a lot of the classics. Yeah. You know, like South Pacific and Oklahoma.
0: And, sure. No, I do appreciate those. Yeah. I do. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I saw I saw that and I was like, ah, oh. I'll bet you Robert would like to go see that.
0: I wouldn't mind. I would yeah. not mind. So this weekend of course we were in portland oregon or just outside of portland uh and and went out uh, and had a great farm to table meal with brian artis and his wife and uh another talk show host jim was there and good guy and we had a great time and uh we were taking around the city trying to look at the city from above and i've been to portland over the years the rose city they have a beautiful rose garden up in the hills and it was all kind of mildly rainy and misty but there's some really cool pictures i gotta i should send you this one that Brian took that is really cool. But as we were up there, we stopped at this bridge that has become known as the Suicide Bridge because they built a, it's an old bridge, but it, they had built the fence up all the way around it. And, uh, you, you know, just what a mess, you know, as we're standing there, uh, let me see if I can send you, I gotta find the picture. Oh, I know, I think it's in my tweets. What do you call them, tweets? No. Text, you text. (laughs) (laughs) X, you got
2: exited or I don't know.
0: Yeah, see if I can find this picture. Here it is. I'm going to send this to you right now. Stand by. This is worth seeing. It's a beautiful shot of the city at night. See if it'll come through to Skype for everybody to see. And then I'm going to send you another picture. This was for my daughter at sunset last night. It was gorgeous. And let's see where that next one is. All right. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. And that was just kind of overcast. Look. But, you know, as we're as and that's taken through the fence that you can't supposedly climb up over. Had it been as,
2: raining? Is that what? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Misty out. That's yeah. a
0: nighttime shot. And uh, as we're there on along the bridge, just doing that, you know, parked on the side. Suddenly a car comes down. They roll down their window and somebody yells, Jump i'm like holy crap man the, yeah i know it's not
2: oh that's so something i would have done as a teenager
0: yeah but yeah. that's not so nice no
2: it's not it's terrible
0: no it's horrible but again that's absolutely the, terrible the degradation of a nice city like portland over time but i
2: laugh because i can't help it but yeah well i understand I do well understand. here's this and you sent me this picture here what tell me what's what this is oh
0: there it is yeah, Jim was a Jim Price, and that's me and Jane and and Brian Artis. Jane is what in the
2: heck is this 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 thing behind so you?
0: This is a, the Blue Zebra. Apparently, uh, they sent a car to get us to tour around Portland and go to the dinner, and uh, it was funny because uh, it matches Jim's jacket. I he, I he didn't know that, but he walked right out. He's like, "Oh, that's perfect," hmm. and uh, it was just fun. And what kind of we, car is this? Uh, it's a Chrysler three hundred. That's a stretched Chrysler three hundred. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so it was. It was it Bottomed out on some of the hills we were on, though. I mean, you know, those long limos right. don't take the hills so well. Right. So, see if you got the sunset picture my daughter took the other night. I think this might have been even last night. That was uh, just, oh my gosh, she's got a Let good eye. Let me see here. Hold on. Did it on. come in? Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Let me.
2: I gotta check it here. All right. Okay. Going here. Uh, no, I don't didn't see. Didn't come it. in. I don't okay. see anything else.
0: All right, stand by. Let me try it. Yeah, stand by. Bear with me here. Open it up. Hang in there, folks. Yeah.
2: It'll be worth the wait.
0: (laughs) I think so, anyway. So let's (laughs) see. Go in there. Media. I think this is the one. Let's try it out. Done.
2: All right. Waiting for it to come in. And what do we have? We have a sunset. Oh, wow
0: look at that doesn't that look it's like
2: that doesn't she even look real so yeah yeah let me yeah look at that here let's zoom in all the way here here we go
0: look at that I liked it zoomed out actually uh, did you like it better because it's framed so nicely you can see the whole picture is framed she's right? just got an eye for this stuff I'm like I can take some sunset pictures too but I just love this one this was yeah. like I saw it and I'm like my gosh the foreground the background everything kind of fits together beautifully it does yeah yeah so. What do
2: they say? A, a picture postcard.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one's nice. Anyway, nice. just wanted to shout out my daughter. She's uh, she's got that photographic eye, that artistic. What eye. What
2: is it about those daughters, huh? Yeah, mine's getting it's married me. in less than a month.
0: Oh, good lord! you gonna survive till then.
2: I got. What are we at now? The 23rd. So it was a uh, a week from last Thursday. I mean, mm-hmm. a month from last Thursday. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're. We're doing the best we can here but uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice event
0: well, we an, well i'm a, sure we'll see pictures of that event
2: oh yeah well. oh yeah got a All nice right. venue and um it's the first time we've ever thrown an event where it's going to be catered
0: mm-hmm.
2: usually my wife is the one that's like running around cooking the stuff putting in right. the stuff putting in the serving and the stuff and she never gets to enjoy anything and so this time around i was like no you know somebody else is going to be doing that work and you're you're going to be uh you're going to be enjoying yourself. So,
0: yeah. So the restaurant Diane was asking, and we went to in Portland is called urban farmer. And Oh my gosh, was he good? Oh, everything that they made was so delightful. Uh, you know, organic farm to table. And, uh, it's on the eighth floor of a hotel. It's called the nines. And I'm like, Why is it the nines? And it's like, well, it used to be the place where people would go and they dress to the nines. To the nines. that history happened there. But but the urban farmer I'd eaten at before, but it had been many years and it did not disappoint. So if you're in Portland, I highly recommend it. Anyway, I got an appointment in like 14 minutes. I got to run out to um, prep for another event. And Super D will be back tomorrow. Anything that we should know for tomorrow's show? Maybe. Okay.
2: I wasn't prepared for that. Hold on. Uh, I got to open up the calendar. So tomorrow, hour one, we have got Peggy Sarlin. Okay. Peggy Sarlin in hour one and Megan Smith in hour two. How do you like that? Okay.
0: (laughs) Got to prep for that.
2: (laughs) And sometime later, we'll, we'll figure out who Peggy Sarlin and Megan Smith are.
0: Well, that's you know, that's the nature of having almost it's
2: it's guests listen, on. it's guest roulette on this show because we don't know because we don't book the guests, Kevin. We, you know, listen, Kevin started off as just kind of like helping out, right? Yep, and then we eventually made him officially an assistant producer.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But honestly, I mean, think about it, we basically have just turned over the whole thing of guests for the show to Kevin, he just yeah. books guests. And puts them on the calendar, and we go to look, and we have no idea who's coming up or who they are. But you know, I mean, we, you know, of course, we find out before they go on the air. But we we have really put a lot of, of, of uh, faith and, and trust in in Kevin because he could literally book somebody that could just could destroy the show, right? Right.
0: No, he wouldn't do that.
2: And they're all good guests. Yeah, he does. A, he does all a good great people. job.
0: Yeah, well, thanks to Bruce Brill and Holly Swenson today on The Robert Bell Show. A lot of diverse topics for sure today. And uh, it set me on a an emotional collision course with myself and in, in the, the intensity that I feel, the heaviness that I feel about what's happening there in the Middle East and, um, <coughs> you know, the connections I have to it. And, you know, I don't want to dismiss people that have differing views on it either because there's a lot of passion as well. But I also want to acknowledge the role of the globalist once again to pit friend against friend, foe against foe, foe, family member against family, I mean, everybody to always live in a state of discord because it's uh, it's how you're controlled and manipulated. Uh, so... Ah, Maybe we'll,
2: we'll try and lighten it up tomorrow.
0: Well, yeah, give it give it a go, Super D. I'm hoping right. you can. So thank you all for being here. Back tomorrow, less than 24 hours from now, God willing. And uh, appreciate you all for being here and we'll see you then. <coughs>